you know, can they present themselves in a way that a customer will find them, you know, professional, uh, the ability to make eye contact and, and shake my hand and, and be conversational. I, I think, um, phones have really made, taken away some of the conversationalness of, of people. And so, uh, as a technician, you know, you've got to be able to go out there and converse and find that common ground. Like I said, Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your host, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. Your hosts, Nate and Brian, hanging out with you again and looking forward to a great show today as we talk to Travis Rigney. That's right. We're going to be talking to him about all things that he's got going on in his life, as well as his story, and of course, pricing, which is a big issue in the home services industry. It's going to be a good conversation, and we are looking forward to that. But before we do, as we always do, Brian and I are going to spend a little bit of time talking ourselves, and we're going to turn to Brian for a quote. Make sure you don't start seeing yourself through the eyes of those who don't value you. Anonymous. I'm going to say uh, good name. Old a. Right? Good old I'm going to throw that to you. <laughs> oh, okay, thank you. Because yeah. I hate the anonymous quote, but uh, yeah. somebody said it. It wasn't anonymous. They didn't write yeah, it on I, a sticky note and leave it somewhere. You know what I mean? Well, I wish I could be attributed to something so profound, but that does sound yeah. good. That's good. That's good. Well, it's good mm. in life and in general and I certainly hope I instill that sense into my kids. But what are we talking about? We're talking about price. We're talking about prices, baby. And you don't want to build your price or decide what you're going to go present to a client. Certainly, that would be the biggest sin based on what some other client who didn't value your service thought about what your pricing should be. And I'll go as far to say, don't build your price book when you're feeling insecure either. Yeah, <laughs> build, build build your price book when you're feeling confident. <laughs> just 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 press pause on your favorite waste no day episode right when we get you real fired up. So that would be when a guest is talking, obviously, and hit pause <laughs> and then go do your price book. Beat your chest yes. on the way over. Yes, like I that's right. I am worth this. Yeah. Yep your your value as as a now if you're a hack, you know your value isn't that much, and you're probably hack. overcharging. Hacks don't listen to this podcast, Brian. Uh, no, you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> Hacks host this podcast. <laughs> uh, touche. Yes. Look, if every other job you do requires someone else to go back out and fix it, and you're all you can think about is how quick you can get out of here and go hit the couch or the whatever, you your prices are probably a little high. And you're not, you're not valuing, probably not valuing yourself enough, but you're not valuing that customer enough. You're not valuing this trade enough and you need to step your game up. But once you've stepped your game up and become a person of value, you should be charging for that value. 
That's a good point, Brian. And it reminds me of a podcast we did with Ellen Rohr back on December 19th of 2022, uh, talking about charging more than it costs. And that was a really in-depth dive upon like where to configure prices and how we even get there. Uh, and we might jump into some of that with Travis today. I don't know. But uh, it, what, what we're trying to come to is a place of confidence in knowing that your service and the value of your service in the home services industry is generally underpriced. It is generally lower than it should be. And, and as people get farther and farther away from the working with your hands model and, and the do it yourself, I mean, there's always going to be a contingent that does that. But, you know, as people get farther and farther away from the, yeah, I, you know, I gladly tackle my own plumbing on the weekends, your price needs to gradually go up and up and up because you are becoming a a more sought after commodity with less supply in the marketplace each and every day that, that we get closer to that. I was on Tommy Mello's show, The Home Service Millionaire, sorry, Home Service Expert. Uh, I forget. I always confuse the book and the podcast name. The Home Service Expert podcast. Um, it is my favorite pod, uh, trade podcast for sure. Um, and and getting on that show was a bucket list thing for me as as a uh, one of the Waste No Day audience members and I were talking about recently. And he was telling me his bucket list item like mine was to get on Tommy's show is to get on Waste No Day. So I told him, I said, where's your revenue at now? And he told me uh, his business. I said, okay, set the number, your, your, you know, big, hairy, audacious goal, your BHAG, what's your number? Let me know what that number is. I'll help you get there for whatever I can do. And when you get there, we'll do an episode about it. And the quicker, the better, because that will be an awesome episode, wouldn't it? Yeah. What a story. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I want to say his, I didn't ask him if I could talk about this on air, so I'm not going to say his name, but I will text him later. And if he says so, I'll say it next week. Yeah. So anyway, I was, I was on Tommy's show, which was huge for me. I loved it. And I read a poem and I've never read a poem on this show. So I was, this is my favorite poem. And when I say my favorite that means it's the only poem I know <laughs> because it is, uh, it was, it was written. So I was just thinking like, should we do that first or should we do the review of the week first? Let's do the review of the week first. We'll, we'll, and then we'll drop the poem and just go right into the, uh, then we'll, I mean, sorry, then we'll bring Travis into the studio with us. Right, buddy. Right. Exactly. <laughs> what we'll is have that? our, we'll have our assistant fetch him from the lobby and bring him into the studio. You know how of professional we are. Of course. What well, is that time of the week where we do try to be a little bit more professional and read one of your amazing reviews? And so Brian, who do we got today? So this is actually from Facebook Messenger. I get 98.8% of all of our reviews are just people messaging me on Facebook. I tend to, at least the ones that are a little more drawn out, I'll, I'll screenshot and send to Nate. So, you know, if you text me one, Nate sees probably 70% of them. If it's just like, Hey, love the show. I'm, I'm, I'll hit you back, but I don't typically send that to Nate, but a long message I'm sending to Nate for sure. So this is a man named Tom Ash. So Spotify recently released. If you listen to a show regularly, I guess they, they rate you on how much you listen to it over the year. 
Is it the year? The month? I don't know what they do. It's it's November, so it's not the year. But it's um, it showed him. It sent, and I've gotten a bunch of these from listeners uh, who listen through Spotify, so I know they're doing it actively. But it says you've listened for X number of minutes. You are a top one percent fan of Waste No Day, and he's the only one that sent me a one percenter. Most of the most of the people who have sent me that have sent me they're in the top ten percent, which is still awesome. But this is a one percent fan, which means uh, they've probably heard most of the episodes and they just listened to the new one that comes out. And I'm guessing he, you know, maybe came onto it later and went back and just listened to all the old ones. And so he's, you know, he's killing the game, obviously, if he's listening like that. This guy's making some money. (laughs) So here's what Tom Ash had to say. Just wanted to thank you, Brian, for contributing so much to the trades. I listen to your podcast every week and it helps me handle objections and serve my clients at the highest level. I am a selling tech electrician from Brisbane, Australia. And this year I'm on track to hit 1 million in annual sales. Next year I will aim for two. I don't think I would be achieving my goals without the help of your podcast. Thank you so much and keep up the great work. It is much appreciated. Good day, mate. Oh, sorry, he didn't say that part. <laughs> so, can we get can we get Tom to like do an intro with it? You want to get Tom to do an intro with us? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. It'd be, it'd be awesome just to have his accent on there. Yeah. Uh, dude, totally appreciate the message. He then went and posted the picture of the Spotify thing in the Waste No Day Facebook group, which was awesome because, again, he's the only one who's posted a one percenter in there. But man, we appreciate the review, Tom. We appreciate you being a top 1% listener, I would say let's send you a, a waste no day hat for sure. But one, we don't have your address. Two, we don't have waste no day hats. So <laughs> can't do that. <laughs> uh, all right. And uh, if you would be so kind, by all means, shoot us a message. We'll check it out. But uh, really what helps the show is jumping on that Apple podcast app scroll down to reviews, read a few to get some inspiration, press write a review, click that five-star button, and then write us a little message and press send or submit. Just remember, whatever nickname you pick for yourself when you're doing it, that's your nickname for life in your Apple podcast app. <laughs> so, <laughs> by all means, put waste no day in there. We love that. But remember when you're, when you're, uh, when you're uh, rating Joe Rogan's show or whatever, six months from now, it's going to say, Tom, I love Waste No Day. <laughs> so <laughs> just know that's coming. And we're okay with that. Yeah, we're, we're fine with that. All right. <clears throat> On to uh, bigger and better things than uh, talking about how much we love our own show. Let's move to Mr. Douglas Malick. Douglas Malick was born in the great state of Michigan in 1877. He also wrote the official state song of Michigan, which is called Michigan, My Michigan, in 1902. Just so happens to have written my favorite poem. This is a poem that, for me, is is just an inspirational word in in tougher times, like if I'm going through it. um, I don't like pull the poem up and read it to myself, but I think sometimes like I, this is me getting stronger right now. You know, it's, it's adversity. 
and the trades are, are seeing some adversity right now. So this is this is all of us getting stronger, getting better, getting faster, getting leaner, learning to innovate more. But here's what Mr. Malik had to say about it. The tree that never had to fight for sun and sky and air and light, but stood out in the open plain and always got its share of rain, never became a forest king, but lived and died a scrubby thing. The man who never had to toil to gain and farm his patch of soil, who never had to win his share of sun and sky and light and air, never became a manly man, but lived and died as he began. Good timber does not grow with ease. The stronger wind, the stronger trees. The further sky, the further length. The more the storm, the more the strength. By sun and cold, by rain and snow, in trees and men, good timbers grow. Where thickest lies the forest growth, we find the patriarchs of both. And they hold counsel with the stars, whose broken branches show the scars. Of many winds and of much strife, this is the common law of life. Douglas Malick. Oh, man. I was going to say you should close your eyes to uh, to listen to that, but uh, most of you are driving right now, so it's probably not recommended. That pull over, back it up a little bit, close your eyes, and listen. Yeah. Yeah, good for good for him, man. You know, Michigan finally doing something productive. Other than beating Penn State and Ohio State this year. What's up? <laughs> yeah, baby. I actually got to release Aaron Gator's episode. <laughs> <laughs> i was like oh man because uh, like his episode released two days after the michigan ohio state game this year <laughs> here in 2023 and i was like chewing my fingers because we left it wide open on the show it was like we have no idea who's gonna win this thing um uh aaron gainer's an ohio state fan i'm a michigan fan and and it's a it was every bit as close as we expected it to be there were no blowouts this year game ended on a pick by four points like it was just it was just madness but uh, like i said on that show if we lost i'd have to delete my social media account because i talked too much trash <laughs> <laughs> well um yeah we we all regret that michigan won and you're still on social media brian so thanks for that and thanks for the poem uh very kind actually uh, a good a good reminder about what adversity does for us Amen. That's, that is what adversity is. That, that's what our struggles and our problems are. They're not struggles and problems. They're growth. You know, I don't like to talk about the gym, buddy. You know, I don't like to talk about the gym, but if you're going to force me to. I can't remember the last time you did, but. We don't grow stronger until we break that muscle tissue down. That's it. Until we face the problem of the weight we can't get off us, we're not going to grow. We're not going to get bigger. We're not going to get stronger. All right, that's enough about the gym. <laughs> well, it's not the uh, the last that we'll hear of it, I'm sure, Brian. Uh, but it's also not the last that we hear about adversity, as we are going to put somebody who's well familiar with adversity and has overcome some of that in his business career uh, up on the show here. And it's now time to put Mr. Travis Ringy in your passenger seat. 
Our guest today is Travis Ringy. Alongside his brother, Tyler Ringy, they co-founded ProSkill Services and successfully built the business over 12 years, culminating in its sale when Travis was 32 years old. He has since helped over a dozen business owners in selling their own companies and currently holds leadership roles in five companies across tech, recycling, and home services. Known for a leadership style that emphasizes transparency, family values, and doing what's right, Travis excels in diverse business environments. Additionally, he mentors aspiring entrepreneurs, sharing his insights and emphasizing the importance of ethical and transparent business practices. And we're hoping to hear a little bit more about that and everything else that he's got going. Welcome to the show here, Travis. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Thanks for coming on, buddy. It's good to talk to you again. I, uh, I really, really enjoyed our conversation. What was that, about a month ago now? Yeah, yeah right at that. Yeah, it was a good time for uh, for me in general, just because I like talking to successful people, but successful con- contractors specifically. But also, as everybody had told me, like I told you, um, since I've been hanging out in Phoenix here, it seems like everybody I hang out with is like, "Have you have you hung out with Travis Ringy?" And I'm like, "No." Oh, you have to. He's such a great guy. And uh, at least from our what 45 minute conversation, that seemed to to check out. And then uh, we were just chatting before the show here, talking in depth about Never Split the Difference and the impact that we all feel that Chris Voss has had on sales in general, but also just communication in general. We're talking about using it with our family for crying out loud and like not many sales books, you know, quote unquote sales books before have done that. But man, that thing is just, it's really revolutionary. Absolutely. Yeah, that was one of the first books that um, when I started reading, I read. And uh, one of the most handed out books out of my uh, personal library when I was running ProSkill is that I, I always recommended people, you know, start with that one because I think it, it's uh, an intriguing book. And like you said, Brian, you can apply a lot of what you learn to your everyday life. So it, it actually makes a, a, you know, a difference in your day to day. Yep. So ne- negotiating, obviously selling. But just communication, like you're when you're starting on his his principle of in a successful negotiation, both parties win. If you're going into any kind of conversation where, you know, it could be an argument, could be a debate, could be just you trying to get something or you trying to solve a situation. If you walk in going, both parties are we're both going to win here or I, I won't feel like I did my job, quote unquote. Right. <clears throat> and then when you go in from that perspective, which I try to do way more now, um, even if I'm like writing somebody up or something, you know, we need to both, we need to both feel like we walked out of here with a win, even if it's a disciplinary action. So that thing by itself was a, just a huge principle to that you could just yeah, build upon in so many different ways. Well, Travis, we'd like to build upon your story. And this is uh, your introductory podcast, at least on the Waste No Day. Uh, for yeah. us. And so our listeners would love to know a little bit more about you. And if you wouldn't mind giving us kind of the uh, the nickel tour through the life of Travis and how you got into the trades, what your journey has been and what you're doing now. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, all right. So how I got my start. So um, my brother and I, we, we grew up in the middle of nowhere. Uh, my dad always taught us to go work for ourselves. You know, we, we didn't have the typical summer that every other kid in school had. We watered trees, cleaned 30 horse stalls, all that fun stuff. 
but my dad always did a great job of teaching us, you know, work ethic and, and to work hard. And, uh, we grew up, where, where was this at? It's in uh cave Creek, Arizona. So North, like North, North oh, Scottsdale okay. cool. area. And, uh, you know, we were the poor kids in a rich neighborhood. And, uh, I think my brother and I just always had an intrinsic like desire to get ahead. And, uh, we worked for my dad growing up through high school and stuff. He always taught us to manage money, to take care of our things, how to pay bills. You know, we had checking accounts or whatever from a, a young age. And I ended up uh, not wanting to stay in the construction industry. Um, so I ended up uh, going into banking. My brother and I both graduated high school early. I went into mortgage banking. I ended up at 19 managing a wholesale mortgage bank. And that was, you know, 2007, 2008. And I was the the contact for Fannie Mae that basically said, hey, these subprime loans that you guys are giving out to all these people are going away. And so uh, basically I tell people the big short was written about us. Those were the loans we were selling, subprime, stated income, 100% financing, just like the worst of the worst. And uh, so I resigned from my position, went unemployed, um, ended up going into uh, – I, I ended up being a teller at Wells Fargo did great in sales there was about to get promoted to a banker and uh, felt like I was just kind of restarting my whole life over again um, from the bottom. And then my brother's like, Hey, you know, dad always told us to go into like the trades into the service business. You know, you never go, you know, we're in the middle of the, the great recession at this point. He said, you know, there's always work in, in the, in the trades. And so, you know, I've got this job as a plumber. You should come learn to be a plumber and we'll start a business together again. And, you know, we did, since we were little kids, we were always hustling little side businesses. We ordered stuff out of the Oriental training, trading magazine and sold it to people at school. And <laughs> we, uh, we were shipping those little pit bikes in from China and building them in my dad's shop. And then we'd go sell them <laughs> on the side of the road. I got a, at, at uh, 15, I got a cease and desist from the attorney general in Arizona because I wasn't, didn't have a dealer's license. To, <laughs> at 15? <laughs> at 15, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, we had a lot of fun stuff that, that kind of contributed to our entrepreneurship. But um, so, yeah, you know, I, I did. I just resigned from Wells Fargo. My, my branch manager was like, man, you're about to become a banker. You're going to do great. You're never going to go anywhere in plumbing. Like that's, you know, that's, that's a blue collar trade you don't want to play in people's poo, man. And, uh, I said, yeah, I don't know. My brother's liking it. I'm going to go do it for him. So we, uh, joined forces in one truck working for, you know, a family friend found the business online for sale, said it came with two good plumbers that would run the business for you. And so it's basically that, that was us. And we're like, Hey, if he's selling it as we'll run it for them, we might as well go do it. Dad said and do it for ourselves. So got our license and yeah, just, started in a truck like you know everybody else and worked our way up but one of the things that was a big takeaway for my brother is before i came on when he worked for this company he went to a, a psi meeting you know plumbing success international and it was a meeting geared what, what year would that have been that would have been probably around the same time like 2006 2007 okay um and you know this was really a uh to sign owners up to be part of the network. Yeah. But there are some things that really struck a chord with my brother in there. That's like, man, I am never going to get ahead as, as you know, the technician, which, you know, we learn now isn't the truth. Like there's a lot of ways to get ahead in that, but um, you know, from our, our upbringing, we, we, we he didn't particularly see it that way at that point. So, um, but he took a, a, away a lot and uh, really we drove around and 
built our business on, on, you know, uh, notepads of, you know, Hey, we're going to look like the big guys. We're going to do the booties, you know, back in that day, like I would say George Brazil kind of led the way in Phoenix for like professional service. So we're going to have the mats. We're going to have the booties, we're gonna have the uniforms, the wrap trucks, everything that we need to look professional, but we're going to go do it, you know, at a better value. And of course, I think everybody starts their business not understanding the cost of business and wants to be the cheap guy to win that business. And, and so it's one of the biggest mistakes I think a lot of uh, us as techs make as we go into start our own business is that we always price for where we are in that moment and we're not pricing, you know, to where we're going and all the overhead we're going to incur. And, you know, we always tried to run a, uh, and I don't want to get off topic, but we always ran a pretty transparent business of trying to share those costs with our team so that they understood why we charge what we charge um, which I still think we always offered a great value to our customers. Um, but anyhow, so we did that. We grew it. Um, we're doing great in plumbing. Uh, lots of like hyper local community interaction. And uh, a lot of people said, hey, you got to do air conditioning. No one will come up to Anthem to do air conditioning, which for the listeners that aren't familiar with Phoenix, Anthem is just like, you know, a shot north of Phoenix, but it's just far enough that, you know, you have to cross a little desert to get there and people didn't want to drive there. So um, we really built this reputation, this little community as the go-to guys. And uh, we we got our air conditioning license and uh, yeah, we failed miserably, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> almost, almost went out of business. Uh, we had a, a, a Ford diesel van at that point that kept breaking down a 6.0 liter diesel that any of the gearheads know it's just, if you don't fix it right, it just is a total nightmare. It was, you know, we were running out of U-Hauls and Toyota Corollas that were our wife's, anything we could do to keep the business afloat. And uh, we hired, we, we, we made the mistake of saying that, you know, hey, we're pretty good at operating the plumbing side. Surely we could just hire some HVAC mm. guys. And, you know, that was to our obviously a huge detriment. They did horrible quality work, cost us some insurance claims, a lot of upset, loyal customers. And so uh, around 2014, two years later, my brother said, hey, like we either got to shut this down or we got to, one of us has to go to school to do it. And I, my brother actually was the one that started with the air conditioning guys riding along and stuff. And he's like, I really don't like this, this trade. Like I'd rather do plumbing. And I said, all right, well, I, I'll, I'll go to school for it. So I went and got my licenses and stuff. And um, while I was still in school, I started selling systems. And uh, so my schedule is basically, you know, in the. So in before the, before we yeah, go kick too far along, yeah. you're, we're in 2014. You were you were breaking out of the business to go to school full time. Yeah. You were. <clears throat> what kind of revenue are you guys doing? Then any idea? Uh, 2014, we're probably. Uh, four to 5 million, I'd say. Any, any profit at that point? Or are you, are you in the red or? I mean, we never, we never finished a year in the red, but certainly, you know, we are in the low single digits. Uh, most, most of the time we ran the company. Okay. So you had a, a tradesman in your brother, uh, someone who was pretty handy in yourself, a banker. I mean, you were a banker. Mm -hmm. And if I remember correctly, you were saying, was it Tyler's wife uh, had some like accounting background and was doing the, the books? Yeah. Yeah. So you so a, a plumber, these... a banker and an accountant walk into a bar. <laughs> but but even so, you know, like a lot of a lot of techs and, and most bigger companies out there have techs working for them who who quit to 
to become an owner and failed and came back to work realizing yeah. that uh, life was a lot better as a tech, even with all those, all those, uh, you know, the deck seemingly stacked in your favor with all mm. of that brain power. And the great thing about owners doing all these roles is that there's nobody punching a clock and going home at four and like, you know, the phone goes off, like you're all working 24 yeah. seven. Um, and even so it was, seemingly almost impossible to turn a profit and have a very profitable company right absolutely and and that's you know you took kind of the words out of my mouth there brian is that my schedule was so insane that i would wake up prep the installs because i was the warehouse guy that picked up all the equipment and then i'd go run uh service calls no no i'd go set condensers for the installer so we had two installers i was the outdoor guy i'd go set condensers for the install crew <laughs> And then I'd go run service calls and sales calls. And then we didn't have any, you know, CRMs or softwares at that point. I just had one template built on Microsoft Word that I could never get to format correctly. And so I'd go home and email estimates out all night until, you know, 11 o'clock at night. Fortunately, I didn't have kids at the time because my wife was just like, you are working way too much. And uh, yeah, man, it, it was really hard on, on my mental state. And, you know, I fell into a lot of like depression and like, this isn't worth it. Like my brother, and then my brother ended up getting in a accident, um, an at fault accident where we were getting sued when we already weren't making money. Mm. You know, we had this great, like the, the, the savior to all of it was like the community supported us like no other. Cause we were really good to them, but all the things that like, you know, giving up just, I don't know for us wasn't an option, but man, I, it really felt like it was the best option for a long time. Um, and so it's really a crazy story that, you know, we really actually became known for super high quality air conditioning installs and repairs. And so it kind of like turned our business around from like being like the really good plumbing guys that kind of did air conditioning to like, we still have customers today that don't know we do plumbing because we're really known for air conditioning now. But wow. Um, a lot of that came from just, you know, being, there's a, a buddy of ours that's in the same, um, you know, uh, parent company as a service champion. So he says something to the effect of, uh, uh, you know, B work still passes. And it's like, I was so <laughs> obsessed with that A plus 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 work of like down to like, there couldn't be any, any, you know, any pookie outside the lines and, you know, while it looks great, really the only people that appreciate that is the technicians that are going to go up and service it later. Right. Uh, yeah. but, you know, we, we hand bent every pipe, everything was offset correctly. Like everything's strapped. I mean, we, we still put out some of the nicest installs I've ever seen, but um, yeah, it, it just really transformed our company. And in the year leading up to um, during COVID, my brother is like a super dreamer and, uh, I, I went to doomsday, you know, flight mode during COVID of, Hey, we're going to have to lay everybody off. Like I was doing all the research on the ERC programs and stuff. I said, you know, we'll do the best we can. Let's make a list of our best people that we're going to keep no matter what told all the managers to get ready to go into trucks. Um, and my brother kind of went the opposite direction. He's like, how can we win business and market share? And so, um, we went to the community that supported us. We asked them all the, the women that were out there, you know, sewing, if they could make us masks 
Um, so we had, we got hundreds of masks made for the technicians. We ordered a 55 gallon drum of sanitizer and made our own hand sanitizer. And then my brother happened to get on Uline and see that they had pallets of, of toilet paper when the stores were sold out. And so he ordered all these pallets of toilet paper, got them dropped in our shop. And, uh, we did toilet paper Tuesday, where if you drove by our shop, we'd throw a roll of toilet paper in your car. And we got a bunch wow. of publicity for that. That's awesome. News, news stations were calling, uh, often emulated around by, by surrounding businesses. But um, <laughs> how many how many uh, plumbing companies have had a toilet paper Tuesday? <laughs> it yeah. Can't be that many, right? You know, and I it's it's and I and I don't mean to uh, like I know COVID had a negative effect on a lot of people and, and friends and and family were lost and that part is, is really sad. So it's hard to say, but like COVID was probably the best thing that ever happened in my business. Um, it catapulted it to new heights and we learned a lot about ourselves and, uh, we learned that we, we had incredible value and we were surrounded by other business owners that were like friends, but like, man, you guys got to raise your prices. Like you're offering way too much and not charging nearly enough. And they were right. I mean, you know, the year before selling, which, uh, we closed the end of 2020, um, so 2019, I think we made like a 6% profit on like 12 or 13 million. Um, and my brother and I are just looking at each other, like end of the year r- r- around this time, maybe a little later, maybe more around the holiday. And, uh, just like, man, what, what are we doing all this for? And my brother got so upset. My brother never came in early. He he's, he'll sleep in and, and work late. And so I show up, I'm an early bird. I show up at like six in the morning, my brother's in the office and it's like, dude, what are, what are you doing here? He's like, I'm, I'm not doing this anymore for fun. Like I'm raising all of our prices. And he did, he raised all of our oh, prices man. like 30%. <laughs> and we went out the next year, we closed, you know, we had actually had better closing rates and uh, we, we knocked out a 20% profit and sold the business. And so, wow. Uh, yeah. And honestly, uh, what, the, the what revenue year, did you do that last year? I think the year we sold, we did around, uh, 16 and a half, 17. Awesome. And the next year they did like 23, 24 massive profit, you know, so there's always that kick in the shorts of like, Oh, we should have kept it. But, <laughs> uh, but, uh, no, we, we, but, the, was, but you had, you had service champions backing them up at that point. So the growth was probably a little, uh, yeah, a little inflated was interesting because they couldn't travel and stuff. And so we were one of the like newer acquisitions out of market for them. Um, that wasn't in California. And so we didn't get touched a whole lot the first year, but we had a lot of momentum, um, going our way, but it was, it was certainly. Oh, okay. So that was 2021. That was end of 2020. So this is like COVID um, in its heyday right now. Like that. So you had the year of 2021 where you had actually already sold. Yeah, which was and probably they, the the biggest the year in the history yeah, of the home yeah. services. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of still the right decision for us though, and and it's opened up a lot of doors and opportunities. You know, I and made, you you guys weren't out completely. No, we 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 stayed part of it um, for quite a while. I mean, we still you know help where we can and and consult and mentor our managers. You know, two of our our operations manager and our general manager are two childhood friends, so you know we talk to them on a regular basis, but. Yeah, they're doing great, man. Like, you know, things are always going to change through these things that not necessarily for the the better or the worse. They just, they're just different. Um, There's more accountability for things and some people like it. Some people don't. I feel like uh, our general manager, Garrett, he thrives in that environment. Like he, he came from corporate environment and he just like 
they eat him up because he understands how it works. Um, where people who grew up, you know, like me as a technician in the field, getting my hands dirty, we have a harder time with that. Like, Oh God, what are you bothering me for now? Like how, how is this relevant to the business operating? Like we put the profit on the bottom line. What else do you want from us? Yeah. Um, so it feels yeah. like red tape to guys like us, but yeah. guys like Nate here, they eat it up. They eat it up. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's kind of like a nut, like whatever they say, whatever saying you want to say there, but at that beginning to end, that's like from how we got started to how we, you know, got out yeah. of it. Yeah. Good story there, Travis. And, you know, certainly a lot yeah, of, man. uh, tears and, and fears and anxieties that you probably skipped over real quickly there through all of the difficulties that you guys endured. And I think our audience, which is significantly uh, made up of technicians, people in the field listening to this can appreciate someone who's come through it the hard way. And so as we kind of turn the corner here in terms of the episode, you know, looking back now that you're on this side of things, and even even you know when you were as an owner or like even the GM or those types of positions, <clears throat> what are the things that that stood out most to you as the the stuff that the frontline people miss? Like they just they don't get it. They don't have the right perspective. Um, you know they're they're not looking at it through the right set of lenses. What were the things that in your mind you learned on the other side of the fence that if you could go back you would have a different point of view. Yeah, that, that's a that's an awesome question and something I've talked about before, uh, Nate. Now that I, on the other side, I do you know a little consulting and, and help some some buddies out with their businesses and stuff. And you know, I think as a technician, we often think that the business revolves around us, and we don't really give credit to how that business was brought in the door, how it got on our schedule. I mean, I know that I always can complained even when my brother was the dispatcher of like, Hey, why did you give me this call? Why did you give me this call so late? <laughs> like, Hey man, I want to go home too. And I, I think, um, one of the things we did at, at our pro skill when we were still real actively involved is we, we started making technicians come in and play dispatcher and CSR for a day, mm. because I think it's really that part of the business is often overlooked of the, the front end cut, like, uh, personnel and what they have to deal with, with customers and trying to get jobs on the schedule. And, you know, it's easy to think, well, why didn't you just put it here? Why don't you just put it there? But they don't understand the full, you know, gambit of what these people are trying to process. And, and oftentimes the customers are cranky, like they, they don't have air conditioning, their house has sewage in it. You know, it's not always the easiest thing to overcome. And so that was one of the things that I, I thought was really beneficial. And, and we got a lot a great response. Uh, we got a great response from our team when we made them go answer phones and they're like, yeah, I, I would much rather be out in the field. Um, so De I think, dealing with maybe two or three customers a day instead of dealing with 23 customers a day and yeah. then dealing with some salty technicians in between and then a salty manager from time to time. Yeah. And like, well, yeah, and, it can be stressful. There, there, there's a, there's, you know, a little dopamine hit when you get on a diagnostic and you figure out the issue and, and, you know, you leave with a happy customer, right? The, the CSRs, they don't really get that. You know, they're, they're just, they're right back on the phone with another same situation, upset customer. Yep. Or, and then, you know, when the guys don't follow processes that are there to protect the business. And then, you know, you get the call of like, Hey, you know, you guys told me I needed a, a capacitor, um, or you told me, you know, X, Y, Z, you know, my toilet was like, whatever, but they didn't take the picture of the reading so that we had proof that that capacitor was out of spec. 
and then it's our word against theirs and we're fighting a one-star review because you know and it's like man if you would just follow the process and so drew who is our operations manager got famous for saying like if you can't follow the process, you're going to force my hand to create a new process to follow the process. Like <laughs> if you would just follow the processes that are here, we could stop making processes, but you guys yeah. don't. And that's why we have yeah. to keep making more processes. So yeah, I, I think guys, in, you know, as a tech in the field, I didn't always understand. Um, and, and I never worked for anyone else. So, you know, I, I don't want to say, you know, we, we don't always understand why things are done the way they're done. You know, my brother and I, thought we had all the ideas in the world to go be a different company than everybody else out there. And I, and I see it happen all the time on these Facebook groups. These guys come in, oh, I've got this great idea. I'm going to be different. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. You guys are all got it wrong. And as the day goes on and the months go on, the years go on, you realize like there's a reason that these guys did it this way. You know, and, and then you end up inevitably switching to the way that you always said you would never do it because at scale, it actually makes a lot of sense. What? What's an example of that? I mean, I have a couple and I think we're on the same page, but what, what would you say is, is an example of the thing that um, contractors often say is the thing they won't do because they have a better way and then they own a company and start trying to build a company and things change? Yeah, I mean, the easiest one obviously out there is pricing. Like, oh, I'm never mm-hmm. going to charge that much. I can't believe you charge that much for a new system or a repair. It's like, well, yeah, it's just because I didn't understand what it cost to run a business. Once I understood the cost and, you know, any less than that, and I'm not making money. Like I said, for 10 years, we made probably sub 5% profit doing a lot of work, trying to be the guys that were saving everyone money, but costing it in our employees' benefits, costing in our employees' vacation time, costing it in not buying new trucks. And so there, there's always a, a cost. It's just, is it, is it the cost to the business or, or the customer? Um, and so things like that, uh, gosh, what, what are some other ones that um, people always say? Uh, service charges. My brother and I tried to run without a service or diagnostic charge. And man, what, what a catapult it was for our business. We got so many calls. And then we realized that the calls we were getting were from the absolute worst clientele ever. <laughs> the old Angie's list client, huh? Yeah. Like, just like, oh, thanks. Thanks for the diagnostic. Now I'm going to go order the parts. Like, we like, we're the kings of those customers. And we're like, man, is everybody really this cheap? It's like, no, they're not. It's just that's exactly who we marketed for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so things like that, you know, billboards and radio advertising and, and just like all the things that, you know, as a technician, I, you know, not, not, not even like as technicians in the field, even when I own my own business, I'm listening and seeing these other companies do it. It's like, I'm never going to do that. You know, we only had selling techs. We weren't going to have any, you know, comfort advisors. And then it's like, well, that's, that's the big one that you hear the most is like sending a sales guy out, quote unquote, obviously the pricing one's huge, but I would say the biggest one you, you hear is like sending a sales guy. That's something I would never do. That's where you guys all go wrong. And you're like, man, if you, if you can send a tech out and he's going to close, say two out of four calls he runs and you can send a quote unquote sales professional out. Who's not much of a tech who's going to close three to three and a half out of four. Yeah. Do you know how much more money (laughs) the company's keeping as opposed to paying all that money to acquire a customer and then losing it to the competitor anyway? Like, what? Yeah. And, and, and if they were all Brian or, you know, the Brent Buckley's of the world, you know, that's different. You know, Brent can, 
go in as a technician and sell the world. Yeah. My technicians didn't do that. I don't know about anyone else's technicians, but my technicians <laughs> sold the absolute lowest end system out of their own pocket. You know, yeah. and it was just like, man, this isn't working. And then when my brother and I started selling and we started selling a ton of inverters, it was like, this really isn't working because this, these opportunities are there and our guys just aren't doing it. So then we started bringing in consultants and it's like, Oh, this, this is far better. We had a, a guy, uh, Brian Noblock was our first like full-time sales consultant. And, you know, back then it was a pretty significant deal to do $3 million. And he came in in nine months, did $3 million. And it, it really, he had a big impact on our business wow. and uh, still a friend, you know, he's, he's a great guy. He works at a different company now, but, um, you know, I, so yeah, I, I think th that's, you know, definitely the sales guy mentality of like, I'm never going to sell something my customer doesn't need. It's like, man, I don't think there's all these guys going in and selling customers things they don't need. I think what they do is get good at looking at what does a customer want and offering that. I mean, there's going to be bad apples everywhere, but um, for the most part, I, I don't think every tech, I, I feel like every um, technician thinks everybody else at every other company is a bad person. You know, and it's like, they're not, <laughs> trust yeah. me, they're just out there. There's a lot of good, honest people just trying to make a living like everybody else. It's not, it's not even a lot that, I mean, I, I say this over and over on the show, probably to the point where it's exhausting, but I, I do nothing but visit companies. I visit companies every freaking chance I get and go see teams. And I, you know how rare it is to meet a guy where, that, where the hair on the back of your neck stands up and you go, this yeah. is a bad dude right here. Yeah, it's so yeah, yeah. Not rare. Often. Not often. But if you go on like a Facebook group of a plumbing, you know, hundred thousand plumbers or electricians or HVAC techs, it's like everyone in a white shirt is is the devil, you know. Yeah, <laughs> they're yeah. all evil. Yeah. Uh, it's funny how, um, you know, just not being familiar with people just breeds this. I'm better than them, you know. Yeah, and that's oh, another one. You know, I'll never pay commission. I'll never, I'll never do performance-based pay. It's like, yeah, we tried that, man. What, what a, we got taken to the cleaners, man. These guys are getting 60 hours a week sitting in attics watching YouTube. And then when we, when we figured that out and we all of a sudden started giving people performance basis, you know, we were having trucks, a good month for one of our plumbing trucks was 25, 30 grand. Now we consistently have a bunch of guys that are doing, you know, over 70,000 a month. It's like, Wow we left a lot of money out there in overtime and lost opportunity, just, you know, people not doing their job. And so that's another one that is. Yeah. And it's not, it's not only getting taken to the cleaners in terms of guys milking the hourly, but you have the kind of guys gravitating to your team that yep. want to be on hourly and they're not your, you know, they're not the guys certainly on this call right now. You know, if, if yeah. the three of us have to go get, or most of the people we have on this show, if you have to go get a job right now, you're going to look for something with performance pay. If I right. do more, I earn more. Not yep. I can work twice as hard as the guy next to me and we make the same hourly rate for eight hours. I don't have, I have no interest in that, you know? Yeah, they they fly in under the guise of that. Well, I'm the honest guy. It's like, well, maybe you're the honest guy. You're also probably not the hardest working guy. So, yeah. <laughs> Are you are you taking a shot at the union right now, buddy? I feel like you're taking a shot at the union. No, hey man, I don't even have a I don't know enough about the union to even have an opinion on it, man. You you're in Arizona now. The union doesn't exist. Yeah, that's nice. I grew up in Detroit though, so it was it was a lot of union. I still have family in the union. 
And we like to go so, back and forth, but it's fine. <laughs> well, Travis, uh, this has been good conversation so far. And I'm, I'm wondering here as like we are in the midst of the holiday season and, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of busyness about uh, things. There's a lot of um, seasonality changes. There's a lot of coming and going of money uh, in the retail world and all those things are pulling at the attention of the client. And so if you had the opportunity to speak to the listing base of this podcast, and, you know, again, a lot of technicians, plumbers, electricians who are driving in their truck right now. In fact, you know, our, our tagline is basically who's in your passenger seat and it happens to be Travis today. And you speak to them yeah. directly and you say, you know, guys, gals, as you're driving to this call, these are the key elements that I think you should focus on that make you different a different experience, a memorable experience, because you know there's been a lot of leveling of the playing ground when it comes to booties and shirts and Absolutely. and processes and all this stuff. You know, and a lot of people have caught up, and and there's very few innovations when it comes to the X's and O's of how to run the call. I mean, you know, there's there's this and that and stuff, but like a lot of people are running in the same bracket of performance. Yep. So how how do I as a tech, if I'm listening to you speak right now? You know, what would you tell me that, man, these are the things that I think you should be focusing on so that the client you're going to right now, they call your company back and they ask for Travis. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a great, great question again, Nate. And I think it goes back to what, what you just said is so true that you can't differentiate yourself with, you know, a good mascot, a wrap, some booties in a uniform anymore. Like that's what everybody does. So I think you really got to look back at the core of, of human interactions and go back to, you know, we spoke about it a little bit before, but, you know, I live by the golden rule. I, I always treat people with respect and kindness. That's how I want to be treated. I'm honest with them. And so I think you got to be authentic to yourself. And uh, I think you got to go in and find the common ground. And I think through common ground, you'll find and build trust. Um, you know, I, I was recently, I, I, work with Texas Medley at Medley and uh, heating air and now plumbing in a Dallas market. And I was there and there's this guy just super outgoing, man. His name's Jeremy and he's got his next star book in his hand and he's getting real frustrated because he's asking everybody for a review and he's not getting any reviews. And so I stopped him. I, I just overheard the conversation. I stopped him the next morning and I said, Hey, did you get any reviews yesterday? He goes, no, man, I had someone on the hook and they didn't give me that review. And I said, give me your spiel. And he like looks at his book and then he goes through like the, just like verbatim next star <laughs> spiel about getting his review. And I said, you know what I think the problem is, Jeremy, is I think you're not being authentic. I think people mm -hmm. are seeing that you're just rehearsing a script. And so I, I don't think, you know, I'm not going to speak for next star because I was never part of it, but I don't think they want you to stick to a script. I think they're giving you an outline you know, a premise of what you want to say, but you got to make this authentic to yourself. You know, we always joke, one of our installers at ProSkill, his name is Carl. He would say, hey, you know, um, at ProSkill, we get rewarded for great customer service. And honestly, I depend on, you know, the, the rewards of those to feed my family. So if you could leave me a review, it would sure mean wow. a lot. And then, he, <laughs> Carl, and then, he'd, put, then he'd put on the puppy dog face, you know, and he'd always give him a hard time. But you know what, the guy got so many reviews as an installer it was crazy um but so i think they really got to go be authentic 
um, they need to learn to communicate and find common ground. You know, people, people love talking about themselves if you can draw them out. And uh, sorry, were you going to say for something, Brian? No, I was going to let you finish. But w- w- when we're talking reviews in this case, are we talking like net promoter score where the review is going to come two days later and we hope they fill it out? Or are we talking right there on site type reviews? No, so I mean, we got we got on the review train pretty early at Pro Skill, and so there wasn't heard, any. You guys were killing it in reviews. Yeah, yeah, we did pretty, pretty, pretty good on it, and uh, there wasn't any software at that time, so we we just you know developed a process of asking for the review, and would just say, hey, if you go on you know Google and leave us a review, it really helps us, and it, it's how we keep our marketing costs down by you know it, it's it's it works as a referral to our customers to to future customers. And, uh, yeah, we got a lot of buy-in people did it. And, uh, so yeah, he was basically just going in and asking for the review. And then we just, you know, there's a lot better reward systems now, but we used to pay like $5 a review. Um, and then if you got the most reviews that month, you got like, uh, $10 a review. And so our company was just always competing for reviews. Hmm. Yeah. How many, how many, any idea how many Google reviews you guys had when you, we, 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 uh, like 50. 5,100. I, I think they're at like 6,000 some now. Nice. 68. Yeah. In, in, wow. in three years. They, yeah. they went up a thousand in three years. Yeah. They, they haven't. Well, <laughs> took, listen, took, like I, take like the I foot said, off the gas. <laughs> things change, man. And, and yeah. so when my brother and I were at the helm, like customer service and reviews was everything. And, you know, when, when one of the things that changes when, when, you know, legacy owners leave is, is the culture that they, of what they cared about. And my brother and I cared a lot about that stuff. And yeah, it, it hasn't gone up nearly as much. It, it's not climbing fast as it was. Now, the other, the other side of that, and I've spoke a lot about reviews through the years is that it's really easy. You know, if you've got, if you've got a 20,000 customer database, it's really easy to go get the first 5,000 reviews. Because mm-hmm. you've got like good loyal customers and you're going to go see all of them. And a lot, you know, you'll get like a 20% response rate or so 25% the first ask. But over the years, like it'll start to really dwindle down on your response rate. I think when we left, I think we were getting like a 4% response rate because if you have a loyal clientele, which you hope you do, right? At the end of the day, they can only write one review. So you're running the same jobs for the same people. And right. they've already left you a review. So, you know, I don't think it's necessarily all the cultural shift, um, but I definitely think that's part of it. Uh, but it was also that even before we left, it was going down. I mean, we we're tacking on thousands and then, you know, a year for a couple of years, like no problem. Travis, would you be kind of, I mean, obviously this was a, a, a very important part of who you were and what you brought into the business. Would you be kind enough to kind of role play your own script? You know, if you put yourself back in the technician truck for a minute like how would you interact and ask for that with a client without coming off as inauthentic or scripted or like the company makes makes me do this what did that sound like as you were wrapping up the call with a client i'll be your client travis yeah um all right so i'm going to say that like one of my favorite things to do as a technician was a water heater because i would clean like the whole garage everywhere around it so you know i dock on the door Mm -hmm. And I'd say, hey, hey Brian, uh, I'm just wrapping up out here. I'd like to show you a little bit about the work I completed and go over the water heater and it's, you know, the, the functions of it with you real quick if you just got a moment. Sure, absolutely. Let's go. 
And of course, Brian would come out and see the sparkling clean garage in one corner that wasn't like that before. I'm like, man, thank you so much. Um, <laughs> and so then I'd, I'd just say, look, hey, here, here is the warranty. Here is your model number, serial number. I wrote the date that it was installed. This is how the, this new Honeywell gas valve functions. Let me show you how to relight it. One of the biggest nuisances for a customer is the pilot light goes out and they have no idea how to relight it. So I'll, I'll go through all that to them. By the way, there's going to be some air in the lines and some junk. So you want to make sure you open a bathtub, not a shower, not a faucet. Open a bathtub all the way to hot. Let all the air clear out. And uh, so I'd walk through that with them. Go do it with them, you know. Um, and then at the end, I'd always ask. I'd say, how does everything look? Are you happy with the way the job turned out? And then, of course, yeah, it looks great. Thank you so much. And I'd say, hey, listen. You know, we're trying to build our reputation online and we try to keep our marketing costs low and that helps us keep our prices a lot lower. And so if you would do me a, a huge solid, if you could take five minutes, go on our Google and leave us a review, it'd mean a lot to me. That's it. Like, Absolutely. Who's saying fancy. no to that? I think what, what I always try to teach my guys to do though is really like, like wrap up the job with them, teach them something, make sure they're seeing the value of the work you did and not mm -hmm. just, all right, yeah, it's, 1200 bucks. Where's the checkbook? You know, like, like make sure they, they feel like you delivered an end product that's, you know, shiny and, and, and they're happy to pay the price and not like, Oh, this is the grumpy plumber that comes over again. You know? Yeah. Some, some yeah, level or what I always train some level I did in a truck and then trained later is at some level, a sacrificial amount of service to that person. Like it, it, yes, of course I'm there giving of my time, but I'm getting paid for my time. But yeah. at some level, it, it, I always needed to feel like it cost me something to serve this person or I wasn't serving at a high enough capacity because the only difference with me asking for the review, you know, we had the NPS score and I don't know if you know what that is or, or if uh, most people know what that is anymore, but the net promoter score NPS was you would, it's a real way to track how the client actually felt without you being able to pressure them into the review while you were there right. because they would get that review two days after you were there. Yeah. And then they could just not fill it out. And oftentimes they didn't, but, um, I would ask on the front end first, I would say at the end of this, I'm going to ask you to give me a five star or 10 if it was NPS, but we'll say it's Google, a five star review. When we're all done here today, I'm going to ask you for a five star review. Now, if at any point in time between now and then I do anything that you feel like is causing you to not want to give me that five-star review, would you do me a big favor and just say time out and let me know, please? Because yeah. if you don't tell me, I don't know. And I can just be completely oblivious to what I'm doing sometimes. So at any yeah. point, let me know. And then we get to the end and I would just, you know, if it was the one that was coming 48 hours later, I would ask him if I can count on him for that review. And of course they would say yes. And then I would stick my hand out and ask him to shake it. And I would say, so you're telling me <laughs> I can count on you for that review. <laughs> and I would make, I would look him in the eye and make him shake my hand. And you know, that cognitive dissonance, man, that when you get that review after doing that, it's like hard to lie about it, you know? Yeah. Um, but on the Google front, I just turned the thing around and I'm like, Hey, do you have, do you have an account? Where, where we can do a review right now. You know, I'm like asking them to do it right here, yeah. right now. And like Tommy, you know, our mutual friend, Tommy Mello, yeah. who actually gave me your, your phone number um, initially when I got a hold of you. He, uh, he does that thing where he's like, I'm going to ask you to give me a review on three different platforms. 
So I'd and, like and a video testimonial and a video. Yeah, we're gonna post something on Facebook too. But next door, Google and Yelp, and then we're gonna do a video testimonial. And I never took it to that level, but you know, of course, like so many things you hear that are that brilliant and simple, you go, "Why didn't I? Yeah. Why not? Why aren't we doing this?" You know? Yeah. If there if there's one thing that uh, Ishmael and Tommy have taught me is that you better just ask. You know, that's it. Like. I've seen them get so much from just asking. You know, same thing with um, Ara with Service Titan. It's like, hey, uh, we need a table for 20 people. Uh, sorry, sir, we can't do that without reservations. Uh, well, I, l- listen, here's the thing. I really need a table for 20 people. Can can you figure out a way to get us a table for 20 people? No, sir, I'm sorry. We ended up with a ta- at a table with 20 people. You know, it's, it's like... <laughs> It's like they're, they're just in, insistent and, and they ask for what they want. And I'm just always blown away when I'm hanging out. You know, we have our little LSD crew with, with all those guys in it. And it's just like, wow, these guys ask and they get. And I've never been one to ask. But I was, you know, I was so protective of our customers that, you know, I, w- I didn't allow our technicians to ask them for a review on the spot. Because it, it went against what I thought was like authentic, you know, being authentic to the customer sure. and, and you know, I did want the real review. You know, I didn't want to review gate them. So if they weren't happy, you know, we had a personal, you know, um, uh, a challenge basically in our company is what the culture became of if we get a one-star review, who can call that customer the fastest? Because if we're getting a wow. one-star review, we're fixing that immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you, cause it's still top of mind for them too. And you know, I really think if you show a customer you care that nine times out of 10, you can turn the situation around to, you know, having them be one of your biggest promoters. And oh, speaking of promoters, absolutely, man, the, the people, because they're, you know, when an upset client is the loudest client by a long shot. They're going to tell, what is it? As many as six people versus mm-hmm. a happy client usually tells no people, but at the most <laughs> one, one. Yeah. Um, but if you flip an, an upset client and get them back on your side, they're still as vocal yeah. in that new, in that new um, emotion that they're feeling and you find them to be your biggest cheerleaders. It's really awesome, but it's yeah. still, you still have the, like everyone knows this. We all know this in the industry, right? But still get that angry client tomorrow. And you're like, <laughs> you're staring yeah. at the sticky note. Like, I don't want to call back, you know? Yeah. What, Take three what, hours to make a two minute phone call that goes. Who, who posted that? Who just posted that? Someone just posted like, Something about, you know, I, I've never overthought making a call that lasted three minutes to an up, upset customer so much in my life. It's like, we all do that. Like, I'll sit yep. there and look at that and rehearse every scenario. And it's just like, oh, yeah, we can easily fix that for you. Yeah, we're, we're on our way. Oh, that was it. Five okay. seconds. Yeah. God, I wish I handled this a lot earlier. <laughs> and it, it goes the same when you're running calls in the dispatcher. You know, if you have a cool dispatcher that you're cool with, man, she was so mean on the phone. Like, he was a prick. Yo, you don't even, oh, I'm sorry. I got to send you this one. Yeah. And you knock on the door and they open the door with a huge smile. Hey, thanks for yeah. coming. You know, yeah. it's like the anticipation is just always worse than reality. Well, it goes back to that. What, what, you know, what I would tell people is that, you know, it's probably because that dispatcher took, took a lot of the emotional brunt of that call. And by the time the technician got there, you know, the, the people felt bad. (laughs) Yep. And remember that, uh, technicians out there, Christmas is right around the corner. Remember your dispatcher who does oftentimes take the brunt and, and you have no idea until you sit 
in a dispatch office in, in Lancaster where Nate's at in Pennsylvania, they have two, two dispatchers, one for the one hour and then one for Ben Franklin and Mr. Sparky. And you can sit literally between them and just watch them do their thing for any amount of time. And I would sit in there for hours talking to them when they're available and then just letting them do their thing when they're not. And you have no idea, Tex, how far out of their way these guys go. And I'm, I'll give them a shout out to Julian and John um, to to take the beating for you and calm clients down and mm-hmm. save you from arguments and um, negative feelings when you get there. You have no idea how far out of their way these guys go for that and get very little credit for it. So don't forget your dispatcher. It's Christmas is coming. There you go. <laughs> Travis, um, you know, as, as you've contemplated, uh, things on the other side of the fence and, you know, you've, you've seen the reviews come in, you've seen some changes in culture and things like that. If you were going to start over today and you were going to start from scratch. And when I say that, I, I don't necessarily mean that, you know, you were getting back into a truck, although that could be an opportunity. Uh, but you were going to start, you know, from, from zero, nothing. What would be the core values that you would hire for? for like the ultimate technician, the ultimate plumber, the ultimate electrician? What would be the the things that you would say, listen, in the interview room, when you sit down in the conference room, I need to see this, this, and this, or it's a no-go? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to be cliche, but it's probably going to be what, you know, obviously punctuality um, as far as uh, appearance of are they, are they, neatly kept you know i don't i don't care about tattoos and earrings and, and stuff but you know can they present themselves in a way that a customer will find them you know professional uh the ability to make eye contact and and shake my hand and and be conversational i i think um phones have really made taken away some of the conversationalness of of people and so oh, yeah. uh, as a technician you know you've got to be able to go out there and converse and find that common ground like i said like there's there's no ifs ands or buts people buy from people they trust and so you got to build that that bridge um on every single job that you go on so uh i think it'd really be the the cliche things of what we all want is you know a, a trustworthy honest person that's got you know good morals and uh was raised right to look people in the eye shake their hand and be on time <laughs> and some drive helps a little ambition <laughs> yeah yeah that, 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 that goes a long way too Love to have somebody who's looking for the next rung of the ladder in some capacity at all times, all times. Um, but that's, you know, I, I, I'll just shout out, you know, our operations manager, Drew, um, like you said, he showed up to take an install position and he was in college and he, he's like, Hey man, I, I still got to go to college. I got to get off early certain days to go to college. And so that's cool. Like, what, what are you doing in college? I was studying business and I was like, okay, sounds good. I, I don't think you're going to need that here. And he just was like, Hey, you know, just always keep me in mind for a promotion. Cause like I'm, I'm a good installer and I've done it, but like, I really have higher aspirations, um, than this. And, and I said, all right, man. And sure, sure enough, as we went through, and he's one of my best friends now, but, um, every time there was a, a new position available, he'd apply for it. And he was so smart about how he applied for it. He's 31 now as the, the operations manager of a $27 million company. Um, wow. and, uh, when he went to be the install manager, which was, he has taken it from me. I was running it sales and install at the time. He went to all the installers and said, Hey, listen, I know all the issues that we have. 
here's my proposal of how I would fix all those issues if I was the install manager. Would you guys support me if I interview for that position? Because he was the, one of the younger installers of, of the team. And they're like, dude, if you could fix all that, 100%. So he came to us and was like, hey, I want to apply for that position. Here's all the problems. Here's all the solutions. Here's how I'm going to you know, fix and, and, and uh, institute these solutions. And I was like, all right, well, that, you're a shoe in for the job. And then I was going to give up sales. So he took over sales management too. And uh, then he moved up and uh, jumped up to operations manager, which he was actually really a, a general manager because Garrett, our general manager, was running uh, multiple branches for service champions. Um, so he was running the, the, the bigger branch for Garrett. And uh, he just he actually just um, had a going away party Friday uh, because he was offered a position to go run at the start of a of a roll up in a different industry. So um, oh, it just wow. go, goes to show like, you know, with the right drive and ambition and, you know, do, you, you do what, you know, your, your, your job entitles, but also anything more that you can grab on to improve your worth. I mean, you know, he made killer money at, at ProSkill and he's going to, you know, now he's a, a equity partner in a, in a, the beginnings of a roll up. Um, so ambition goes a long way, Brian. That's awesome. And you guys, but you guys, I don't know if you attracted it or, or created it. And I'm sure there's a combination of the two certainly attracted the right people and then grooming processes, but you guys have a a reputation, had a reputation, have a reputation for very empathetic and caring and uh, community focused technicians. And it, it brings me to a story that I heard Cristiano, another mutual friend of ours, um, told he was on our show here a few weeks ago as well. But I heard hit your episode of his show. Mm-hmm. He was talking about how Anna, his wife's mom, used you guys and they couldn't couldn't get an HVAC unit installed at night. And uh, I don't know, couldn't do the repair or whatever. We're we're putting in a new system or something, but um she didn't have any heat. And it's it's Arizona, but you catch it in December, January, February, it's it can still get pretty cold at night and uh your your tech went and bought her some heaters or something or <laughs> found some heaters for her and brought them back and put heaters in the home and like that's that sounds like an of course you would thing but there are plenty of people listening to this show right now who did not do that for a client before or in some capacity could have done something like that and didn't and i don't know if you know they knew it was a the mother-in-law of a friend of yours or anything like that. I'm, I'm guessing not because the way he told the story, it was like, that was the kind of people you employ. But is that a, is that a hiring thing? Is that a grooming thing? Is that a culture thing? Like, how do you get people doing stuff like that? Yeah. So at that time, Yano and I, um, when that all transpired, I don't, we weren't actually like buddies yet. Like we had talked through Facebook and stuff a little bit like, Hey, we live right down the street from each other. We should really hang out. But you know, Tommy Mello used to tell me the same thing. I, I lay pretty low and I, I, I don't always go out of my way to make new friends, but you know, now, now they're some of my closest friends and they're just great dudes. But, um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a big cultural thing. I mean, the, probably the thing that I'm proudest uh, of in my career thus far is the way that our team treated customers. Like they really cared. They, they really, um, you know, I, I, I had a technician recently um, 
had a had a customer that was just having a bad day an elderly lady long-term customer her husband had just passed and she had some toilet issues that we had to grab some specialized parts for like specialized flapper or whatever and so he's going back the next day and he stopped and got her flowers and I, mm-hmm. no one told him to he just he 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 you know we we always taught our guys to give a shit about the customers and uh and you know I would always tell them that means I said, you know, it's easy for us to say every customer is crazy, but I, and I've often said that, but the more that I listen to customers and hear them out, the more I realize that we made a mistake and they weren't crazy after all. So I don't want to keep biting my tongue or you always use the excuse that the customer's crazy. Like we're imperfect too, and we can make mistakes. So like, let's own those mistakes and, and make it better. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we had a temporary comfort program where if we were installing a system, we would, you know, we had installed a new condenser outside. If your compressor was out, we had charged up the unit with refrigerant. You know, it was always our aim to keep our customers comfortable because, you know, we were those guys, like we were six weeks out in the summer on an install. Like we couldn't do next day installs um, because we got, we got booked so far out. Um, And so, yeah, I, I mean, that's one, one area that, you know, I'm really proud of that we got known for is that, you know, people would always say when they recommended us like, Hey, these guys actually care. Like they, they actually do give a crap. And uh, yeah. And I, I think that was our culture and it wasn't, it wasn't that my brother and I um, were, you know, solely responsible for that. We started it and then it was just passed down from technician to technician as they rode around, you know, they'd be famous. I'm like, Hey, you know, that's not how pro skill does it. Like we do that a little differently. Um, and the same thing with the quality of work, like to this day, I mean, our guys are one uppers on, on who can install the nicest tankless or the nicest condenser. Um, we have a lot of contest in the business about it. I mean, these guys do spectacular work and they don't get paid more to do spectacular work. It's just, a, it's a level of pride in the culture of the business. And we've attracted guys that really like doing high quality work because of that culture. Well, this has been good conversation, Travis. And as we bring things in for a landing here, if people are interested in learning more about you, opportunities that uh, that you have in your your business or your your network of business, or even the consulting that it sounds like you're doing a little bit of, uh, where's a good place to find you or reach out to you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I'm happy to help anyone. Um, I, I I love helping people, and uh, I don't I don't have any consulting businesses or anything. But uh, reach out to me on Facebook if you're not part of Service Avengers. If you guys don't mind me shouting that out, I'm an admin on that with Ishmael, who's a close friend of mine. Um, you know, we're always trying to bring. Yeah, we're contra- in there. Yeah, you're in there. So uh, we're, we're we have a, a big aim, and we get in trouble with a lot of the uh, you know guys, you know, industry people that have businesses that are. Um, we, we kick a lot of them out because we don't want any marketing in there. Um, we, we really want it to be a place for contractors to share ideas and contractors to support each other and not have their inboxes full of crap. And so yeah. um, I regularly get messages of like, Hey, why did I get kicked from the group? And it's like, cause you were promoting your company basically. Mm. And we're trying to avoid that. So sorry about all those episode drops. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so, sometimes Ishmael will let episodes through. Usually, yeah, it's got so, his name sometimes on you, it, but... yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah oh, always if it has Ishmael's name. On. I started yeah. thinking about just putting his name in the title every now and then. <laughs> yeah, um, but it, it it comes from a good place in that we you know we we really want you know a place the contractors can go and 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 talk and and strategize together. So yeah, um, I'm always on there. I'm always on Facebook. I'm, I mean, you know. 
get my number from Brian, you're welcome to hand my number out. I'd, I'd be happy to help anyone and share my experience. You know, I wouldn't have got where I am today if it wasn't for people like Tom Howard and Ishmael and uh, Chris Hayes helped me a lot, a local competitor here. Um, just the advice they gave me through the years uh, really, really catapulted my business, especially at the end. So I try to try to pay that back to the industry. Are you back in Phoenix yet? I'm still in Idaho. I'll be in Phoenix in uh, December, end of December. Okay, cool. All right. We well, got to get together, buddy. Are, are, you, are we golfing? I'm not, I'm not, I mean, you're, you're not going to want to golf. Oh, I'm, please, I'm hitting, please, I'm, please go golfing and videotape it for all of the ways. I'm hitting people with base. golf balls. It's a mess. That's half the fun. <laughs> oh, all right. All right. Then I'm in. Um, yeah, I, I actually took uh, golf lessons because I was so bad and I would golf with Nate and our, our, our leadership team uh, from time to time. And I was so bad at it. I said, finally, I said, screw it. I'm going in the middle of winter in Pennsylvania and I'm taking <laughs> golf lessons. And I took them. But this was February of 2020. And then before I ever got to go use them, they closed the golf courses uh, for yeah. a year. Yeah. And when I went and swung a club, I was worse than I was before I had lessons. And I was like, all right, golf, we had our run. We gave it a That's nice it. try, you know. But right. uh, I didn't Something realize else. how much golf happens here. But we'll get it. We'll, I'll get into it, buddy. But not before yeah. December. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, hey, guys, I, I you know. It was a surprise when you reached out, Brian. This is the first podcast I've done, I think, since Yano. So um, I appreciate the time and, and having me on. And like I said, if I can help anyone, I'd, I'd be happy to do so. Yeah, yeah thank you, Travis. Right? I can't tell you all the people who have, in, including, you know, Tommy and, and Chris and Josh Kelly and all these people that have told me what a great what a great guy you are and that we had to connect. So that's why I made the phone call and. I was talking to you for like five minutes before I was like, this episode's a done deal. <laughs> we got to make this happen. I actually think I said, I wish we had recorded the phone conversation we had. Cause that would have been a, a great episode, but yeah, we appreciate you coming on man and, and giving so freely of your time to everybody who needs it. Uh, you bet. Nice meeting you. Yeah, Nate. absolutely. Likewise, Travis. And that's a wrap for this podcast. We hope that you enjoyed your time listening to Travis in your passenger seat. Always good to hear from somebody who's, been through the hard parts of the trades and has come out on the other side and uh, has a great perspective on things. So it was good to hear from him and even the small things that it really matters to focus on again. We're coming towards the end of the year here. And so if you feel like you've maybe dropped off your level of service, no better time now than to pick it back up and uh, challenge yourself with that and maybe do a little review contest with you and the guys at your shop in terms of driving that level of service and then seeing it come back to you in, in the reviews and what that can do for you your fulfillment of your job, and of course, the return customer base that you hope to serve in the future. Uh, we appreciate everything that you guys do for us in Lister land. Thank you so much for tuning in every single week, and we hope that you are enjoying the show. And of course, we want to challenge you to choose to wake up every single morning and waste no day. <laughs>